Dave, at long last, we have a clear connection. Yeah, uh, this took like uh, what thirty minutes to to figure out. It was I was I was about to at, <laughs> we were about to get on a conference like literally phone each other. It's going to change hotels. <laughs> There's nothing funny about hotel Wi-Fi. It's just, yeah, that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. Um, but you're in a hotel. Where are, where are you now? I'm in Raleigh. I'm in Raleigh. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. Got out of the rain in Ohio. is pretty bad. So yeah, glad to be here. How about you? Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm in Austin amid the rain. Um, actually, I think it's rained four days consecutively. Um, we kind of get, get yeah we kind of get a we get a dry period in the afternoon but mostly it's just rain and uh the periodic thunderstorm mm. so my dog doesn't care for it but i like uh it's brought with it some relatively mild weather so anyway i'm i'm happy that's good so i'm i'm all excited about the uh, uh well we're recording this right after the steelers uh beat kansas city uh, that mm-hmm. was a nice nail biter and uh meeting the patriots next weekend so that's going to be a tough game, but we'll, we'll uh, hope for the best. But one of the things that I found was that there is this 360-degree um, uh, game day experience uh, where, you know, I did virtual reality back in the 90s. And mm-hmm. I was – and so, like, I, I was so jaded with, like, virtual reality after that. You know, it's like once you do that and flight simulators and everything, it's like HDTV. It's like I didn't buy an HDTV forever because it was like I was just so spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I had like one of those Google cardboard, uh, VR things that I was playing around with. It was like, just like a plastic thing that you stick your phone in and it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool, but whatever. But then I, I saw just the other week there was, um, the Steelers came out with, uh, uh, this game day experience, which is just basically, it was like a YouTube video that was like a minute and a half long. Um, but it was one of those 360 degree videos where, it it was like one of the few things that in a long time that has blown my mind from a virtual reality experience standpoint where you're like on the field there you're surrounded by like all these players that are just gigantic um it, it was just so much fun uh and it was just really amazing and like you're standing along the sidelines and you see like antonio brown just like fly down uh and run back a t- uh, run a touchdown and everything it was it was just amazing huh that's a, is it from a like is it in like a player helmet or, Oh no, you said sidelines. So, so this would be like the water boy VR experience. Right. It's, it's some dude with a 360 camera on a stick that is just like walking around filming all this stuff and, and made a 360 video and then put it up on YouTube. Uh, uh, but it was, it was just like fascinating from, you know, instead of being like on TV where you're seeing it from afar, you're like, you got the viewpoint from right on the sidelines and just like it where it's so like up, up front and everything. So it was just fascinating. Huh? Cool. That sounds great. That's a, I, yeah. uh, I recently, I don't know if you ever played with the, uh, the Periscope dingus on a uh, Twitter, um, which is apparently the exclusive domain of advertisers. Cause I don't see any, maybe I'm just following the wrong folks, but mostly I just see advertisers putting periscopes of whatever it is they're doing. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I saw one from Airbnb that gave me pause. Um, it had a little flag on it that usually I just fly past those things. I don't care about them. But this one had a little flag on it that said like VR or 3D or something like that. And I said, oh, what's that all about? Mm-hmm. I click on it. And it was a video of somebody, you know, basically doing like a selfie video talking about this Airbnb property. But I could take my phone 
and turn to the left and the right and it would change the point of view mm-hmm. it was super trippy um i'd never yeah, had like you're walking through the house sort of thing and exactly going around yeah so the, yeah, so yeah. so yeah so i guess it was the same technology these you know whoever these airbnb mm-hmm. hosts are, are holding this 3d or this 360 camera and you could like and but it was cool that it was combined with the phone right where you can just like pivot around um mm-hmm. it was just it made me think about uh, the experience of embedding video on a web page in 2001. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just mm-hmm. like and this used to be, there used to be whole companies built up around plugins that had to be specially installed to do anything close mm-hmm. to this. Um, and now it's just like for free on your phone. You don't have to do nothing. Yeah, like real audio back in the day where it was like a miracle to have uh, just audio, right, to yeah. come across the internet. You know? Yeah, yeah. God, real audio. I had totally forgotten about that nightmare. God, that was, that was, yeah. oh, that was awful. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, now we're doing it. Yeah, now we're doing it. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so I'm kind of proud of myself, Dave. I'm now on uh, on week three of my running experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So now I'm running three times a week. And, uh, anyway, this is going to sound like a dumb endorsement, but, uh, don't do what I did and say, Hey, listen, uh, that specialized app for runners. That seems like, that seems excessive. I don't need that. I'm just a, I'm, I'm a simple country jogger. I don't, you know, I don't need this fancy stuff. Um, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. Uh, so I went up and downloaded what everyone else uses, which is RunKeeper, And, uh, Mm -hmm. this thing, uh, stays in my, stays on my phone. I take my phone with me while I'm running and it maps out my location and my route. Uh, so I can go back and mm-hmm. like save routes. So if I liked a mm-hmm. particular route that I took, I can, I can pull it up again. It keeps track of my kilometers and my galleries and all that other stuff. Um, and it also has little programs inside. So it'll say like, Oh, today you got to run for 45 minutes uninterrupted today. You're doing sprints today. You're whatever. Um, and kind of built into the thing free for no money. Uh, it's got me on this, uh, program to get to a 5k. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Um, I thought, uh, yeah. So, so if anybody's, if anybody's got a new year's resolution around, uh, you know, starting some kind of a running practice, um, I can strongly recommend just install the run keeper on your phone, swallow your pride and, uh, and tinker around with this thing. It's just great. It's just great. I'm delighted. Mm Um, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, and I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, I got another technology recommendation, um, for folks who are not running Linux. Uh, the, the, if you're using, if you're using a, uh, if you're using OS 10, uh, you should be using text expander. I think we've talked about text expander on the show before, but I just realized embarrassingly late that text expander also has an app on my phone. Um, so, you know, as I'm Mm. going through my day, I got, as an example, like just now I sent you a link to our video conferencing system, right? And I didn't type Mm -hmm. that link myself. I typed a, a shortcut to that. Uh, so it's called blue jeans. So I say B jeans and out my link goes, right? So I don't have to remember a bunch of stuff that I would otherwise have to look up. Uh, I got all kinds Mm -hmm. of, I got dozens and dozens of these shortcuts. Super useful on my desktop has never been useful on my phone until recently I discovered that they ship a specialized keyboard and on that keyboard Uh and that keyboard recognizes the shortcuts and will, and is in sync with the thing on my desktop. So, I now have mm-hmm. access to all of my shortcuts on my mobile phone, which is like super, especially useful on the mobile phone. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you want to economize the amount of typing you got to do particularly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So strong endorsement for text expander, strong endorsement for Runkeeper. Okay. Yeah. So, so what's on tap for the show today? So, uh, 
lot of fingerprint talk this week for some reason. I think both of us were in a, I don't know what got us thinking about fingerprints, but we're, uh, we're, we got a lot of uh, fingerprint material. Um, we're talking about, uh, Geneva drives, uh, which are mm-hmm. a, I guess a drive it, I guess you hypnotic is how I would describe it. You feel like that's accurate? Mm-hmm. Hypnotic the way this yep. engine works. Um, and then, uh, building robots out of Legos or Lego robots and, uh, the myriad applications of a high visibility vest. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I'm, nice. Looking, I'm looking forward to that. Yep. So, so where, where do folks go for, uh, for links to, uh, to that and, uh, the Runkeeper app and all that stuff. So they want to go to dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. Yep. And, uh, and on the cutting room floor here, uh, you got, you got a lot of Metallica for you this, this week, fingerprints and Metallica. Yeah, I, I must've been in a mood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got Metallica, got Metallica. I think it's, Someone covering Metallica, Metallica covering, or somebody impersonating Metallica covering somebody else. Uh, They were talking about bagpipes, and Mm -hmm. uh, this I, I this link you you had me click it earlier this week, and it creeped me out. (laughs) I'm still like I still it's still (laughs) making it's still making my spine vibrate. Um, It's a PTSD. uh, It's a yeah. It's a it's a a whispering chin face. I guess is the best way to describe it. (laughs) Just thinking about it now, it's creepy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, something. It's like a like those mime clown sort of look to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the the French Parisian sort of clown, but just like upside down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're thinking of uh, Senor Wences's fist, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So gross, so gross. Um, okay, help me, help me get this out of my mind. Uh, Comfort me with something like, uh, like jelly robots. Yeah, or, or yeah, there, there's a drug for that probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we were talking about uh, drug delivery a little while ago, and there was um, there's a new one, uh, a new drug delivery thing that came out where it's this. Um, drug delivery device that looks like a Geneva drive, which it kind of looks like a, like a watch movement sort of thing where it, um, it spins around. And so it would spin around and then some drug would come out and then it would spin around to the next one for the next dose and everything. Um, and I thought it was pretty interesting because it was a 3d printed hydrogel that you swallow. And then, uh, I guess in order to deliver the drugs, um, in, uh, one of the things that they're trying to do is that they don't want you to swallow something with a battery in it and stuff like that. But what they want to do is um, have you use a magnet uh, to stimulate the thing that's in your stomach to give you the next dose of whatever. <laughs> but it's like if this is all for getting people to remember to take the drugs, wouldn't you have to remember to get the magret, magnet and hold up to your stomach? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Or, or I'm kind of imagining uh, a like a doorway, like a metal detector kind of a TSA thing through your doorway so that every time you pass through the door, it kind of stimulates whatever Geneva drives are in your, whatever hydrogel Geneva drives <laughs> yeah. are in your body. And you go, Oh, I got dosed. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, it could be good. Could be terrible. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, it got me thinking what I was reading about this and it got me thinking about, you know, it seems like something gets something that will immediately get a headline if they call it 3d printed. Um, yes, used to, there were a few years ago when we didn't call it 3d printed, we just called it manufacturing mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm wondering yep. what makes this 3d, what it, it, 
do you have any idea about what what special property 3d printing gives this like is is what makes it 3d printing and why is that interesting do you know I think it's because it's something that you could rapidly prototype as opposed to like sending off to be fabricated and then you get certain things back and then, and then, you know, you get a yield and you, and where you could try it, see if it works. And if not, you know, it, it takes like 30 minutes to print out one of these things mm-hmm. as opposed to like having to like fabricate plastic or pour stuff and everything. Oh, I see. So conceivably a doctor's office could have like, uh, a 3D printer yeah, with like hydro- hydrogel solution inside, and then it would print up this thing. Ah, I see. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And it's 3D printed. And it's through, yeah, that's right. Let's not forget. That's important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, that's amazing. Yeah. That's wonderful. Okay. So, Dave, tell me about this fingerprint obsession you had this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, um, so one of them is like real fingerprints where. Um, this was making around, I'm sure people saw this, uh, uh, Japanese researchers warn about, uh, uh, if, if, uh, with all the Japanese girls taken, you know, you take the, they get pictures taken of them. They're always making a peace sign. I don't know if it's a thing or what. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, these researchers were able to harvest fingerprints, uh, from people they were photographing by, um, just by taking their picture and, and they were able to do it from like, uh, uh, with three feet away or something like that, but it was, it had to be like the right lighting and, uh, you know, in, in a certain way and all that. Uh, but they were able to do it with just like a normal camera. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. They, nine feet away, nine feet away. They were able to do it from. So, I mean, it's really surprising to me that there's not a market in kind of fake fingerprint you know, uh, kind of rubber fingerprints, um, that you can, you know, just for walking around with. Well, it just so happens that these researchers, um, they actually have developed, uh, fake fingerprints for you to use for when you go outside. Oh, I see. So they got something to sell. I see. Okay. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, for me, it's like, I'm not a, I'm not a fingerprint guy for biometrics. I am not a fan of that as can't change my fingerprints. Yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned that, it, 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 and so I'm firmly on the other side. I'm, I'm. I mean, it doesn't have to be fingerprints, I guess, but uh, I am. Uh, I I cannot go back to typing six numbers into my phone every time I want to unlock it. I can't. I just can't do it. It's that seems impossible to yeah. me now that I've been unlocking my phone with my finger for you know whatever it is the last two years. Well, do you do you have your phone lock every time you turn the screen off? Uh, I think it's, there's a timeout on it. I want to say it's like five minutes or something, maybe two minutes, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah. And yeah, uh, like I, like for me, it's like, I'll, I'll use like Bluetooth to, uh, help there. If I'm in range, it'll, it'll keep it unlocked a little bit longer and stuff like that. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not entering as often, but now I'm telling people this and now I'm going to have people, uh, hit me over the head and take my phone and <laughs> cut my arm off to get my, my fitness band and lock my phone. <clears throat> That's right. Well, and what's your, is it just uh, I don't want to ask too personal a question, but like, is it, is it just a general level of comfort that, uh, that you have around, uh, around how the phone's locked? Like the reason why I ask is because the kind of a person who is able to like spoof my fingerprint or can physically overpower mm-hmm. me and like cut my thumb off, um, Mm-hmm. that person I am powerless against probably anyway. Like, cause if they can grab my thumb, then they can do a lot worse to me. 
Um, so I'm kind yes. of, so I'm kind of like, meh, well, you know, screw it. Um, so is it, is you, is your, is your stand on fingerprint scanning? Is it a principled one? Uh, or do you have like a threat model that involves, uh, people hacking your thumb off? Um, it's not that I, I don't sit up at night worrying about people cutting my thumb off. Um, <laughs> Which is a fun line of question, um, but but no, it's I I don't. Um, but it's it's just to me, it's like I I want to have something that I could revoke, uh, whether it's like a, a certificate or or a change my password or things like that, where I can't change my fingerprint, and also everything I touch has my fingerprint. Yeah, you know, I'm leaving my fingerprints. It's like leaving your password all over the place in my mind. I see. And if somebody wanted to be sophisticated enough to like get my password, um, and it, that's the other thing is is yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. Okay, no, fair enough, fair enough. As long as, long as you're sleeping well at night, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, no, I'm okay. Uh, thanks for your concern. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So what else have we got on fingerprints? Yeah. So this is not finger fingerprints, but fingerprinting browsers, where. Um, there's a one of the this is pretty interesting where um, we talked about this a long time ago where, um, you know, how you could fingerprint a person's browser based upon um, all kind of different markers in terms of what sc- what the screen resolution is, what plugins are installed, what uh, what the operating system is, what the version of the, the browser is and everything. And, you know, companies are making a business out of being able to uh, do that sort of tracking. Uh, to, you know, so, uh, to go, as people go from, uh, you know, uh, one website to another, uh, this, this is a way to track them without using cookies, um, because it's a, a unique fingerprint. And so some people were thinking that, oh, I'll, I can outsmart you. I'll use a different browser. So for, you know, uh, sensitive browsing, I will use Chrome and for day-to-day browsing, I'll use Firefox or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it winds up that uh, these researchers have found a way to do cross-browser fingerprinting. And the way they do it is through uh, using um, uh, 3D rendering and, and probing the capabilities of the GPU of the system. And based upon that, they're able to get those markers. And, and that is pre-browser independent. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That makes me, that makes me wonder, David. So if they get, so when they say cross browser fingerprinting, really what they're talking about is, is fingerprinting like the GPU or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, the system and the hardware and they, they try to, yeah. Yeah. It's like beyond the browser. Um, Mm -hmm. like what are some other characteristics that they're able to do? And if you're doing things like WebGL, where you're like, they're like rendering a 3d cube, um, there are certain ways that they could figure out like uh, um, like the way that the GPU is configured and the drivers and all kind of querying within there. And that, that is actually a cross browser capability. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So are there any, is there any way to protect yourself? Like if you wanted to maintain an- anonymity, is there any way to, is there any way to do that? That sounds pretty final. Yeah. Well, um, so they said, well, I, this cross-browsing technique would, uh, they were able to identify 99% of all users and computers with their technique. Um, but what, yeah, what they were saying though, is that the Tor browser was effective against most of the CGF techniques. 
I don't know if that's because the Tor browser is like a um, very, uh, uh, what's the opposite of feature rich, but you know, it's like <laughs> maybe it's very limited in terms of what it can do for, for security reasons where it's just renders like HTML and yeah. I mean, it may not it, run so WebGL in the first place. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. It could be just so buttoned down and, and you know, it's sort of like smallest attack surface and, and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Huh. I wonder, I I wonder too, if you you can imagine kind of the Chrome developers hearing about this and then uh, injecting a little bit of randomness into, uh, I guess the perform, I guess it would have to be like the performance of the browser. So, you know, take an extra, take a random between one and 10 nanoseconds or milliseconds uh, to perform a certain task just to kind of throw it off, throw off the fingerprinting. Um, Well, with, it's actually it's not the performance it's actually the configuration and the availability of particular shaders and so basically like you would render it and then it and like while you're rendering it you could query and say oh does it have this hardware capability or that hardware capability and does it have this driver and so the version of the driver and and all that i i think it's it's more about a versioning thing as opposed to a performance behavior oh i see okay that's so that's worse that's actually worse. So that's all, th- this all sounds terrible. Um, but you're saying as long as I use the Tor browser, then that's basically, that's, that works against most of the techniques and probably that's a safer browser anyway. So I should really, if I really cared, I should just use the Tor browser because that is the most secure possible browser to use. No, no. Well, it could be, it, it could be, but it, you're still not, uh, the, the, there are some other researchers, these darn researchers, um, <laughs> Man. they figured out uh, another way to track people with that use the Tor browser. And a uh, familiar friend of, of ours on the show is Ultrasound. Remember when we talked about Ultrasound before with bad BIOS and all that other stuff? Right, of, using, of, using uh, Ultrasound to like have two machines communicate with each other without humans realizing it. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember this. Yep. yep. Yeah, so the way this works is that if you're using the Tor browser, uh, some researchers found some ways to be able to play some JavaScript uh, in in the browser page that will play some ultrasonic sounds. And then if you have any other devices in the room, like a cell phone or a tablet or uh, internet-enabled TV that may be listening for certain triggers, where we talked about this before, where advertisers were, were doing similar things that you know, you're watching a TV show and then uh, the commercial on the TV would play an ultrasonic signal that your phone would pick up and then that would report back to advertisers. So they're able to de-anonymize a person to say that, oh, this TV and that phone all are the the same person. So we want to make sure that the same ad campaign is, is associated with that one person. <laughs> but anyhow, they're able to, yeah, so they're able to do that with, uh, um, they call it uh, UX. DT so ultrasound cross device tracking um, is what they're using. So I guess like moderately useful for adver- or maybe okay useful for advertisers, but like r- the real beneficiary of this is a state actor who is interested in keeping track of a dissident, right? So we thought we had resolved all of the technical difficulties, but in the middle of recording this episode, Dave suddenly became a robot monster, and so he hung up and he's now rejoining us by phone.
Hi, Dave. Yeah, live via satellite. Welcome back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I went to the corner to, I found a phone booth and uh, called in. Well, that's right. We get a guarantee anonymity. I mean, they were about to, uh, mm -hmm. they were about to, they were about to discover your location. I was getting fingerprinted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, um, yeah. Or so I guess the moral of the story with, with the Tor browser is that if you're going to use it, uh, you want to, uh, be in a Faraday cage, um, and and uh, you want to uh, not be on the internet uh, when you use a Tor browser, or just stay at a Marriott. Um, and so there you have it. <laughs> so, so what's next? What's next on the agenda? So I discovered that I discovered this article um, about. So everyone, yeah. everyone, we, you and I have ex over 136 episodes have exhaustively documented all of the different ways one can be surveilled and tracked by our phones and our tablets <laughs> and our computers, right? And we've mm -hmm. also talked about how uh, car software is atrocious um, and mm -hmm. difficult to manage and probably a security vulnerability. But Dave, today is the day we bring those two topics together because I found this article um, about how the federal government has been using subpoenas to track people using the computers in their car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know and what you're... Are you surprised? Not even a little bit surprised. What I'm actually mostly surprised that this is the first journalist who this has occurred to, right, um, mm -hmm. uh, to write about. And so uh, when I said this, I'm sure your mind went immediately to something like OnStar, right, which is like right. OnStar always that's, knows where you are. Thing. That's the whole thing, right? That's right. the whole reason it exists is so that you can uh, is so that you can keep track. And when you hit the emergency button, they know where to send the thing. Okay, so no no huge surprise there that the federal government is, uh, is issuing these uh, subpoenas for services like OnStar. Uh, a little more surprising is the reaction from the good people at OnStar, um, so I'm going to read you this, uh, this canned response from them. They say, first of all, it starts out great. We do not monitor or otherwise track the location of OnStar equipped cars, comma, <laughs> unless required by a valid court order in criminal procedures or under exigent circumstances, semicolon, and we don't release the number of those requests. <laughs> so, yeah. like, so so we don't do it except when we absolutely do it <laughs> and so yeah. uh, except for when we're told to yeah. and and you know so if there's a semicolon it was not from the marketing department it's from the legal department <laughs> that's right that's right yeah exactly um so okay. but the bigger surprise is how the journalist came to this story decided to cover this mm -hmm. is uh, it did not suddenly occur to him one day that the federal government would be issuing court orders for uh, telemetry off of like B OnStar or the BMW equivalent. Um, the way he got to it was through Sirius XM, which in yeah, case, you're, in case that, you were wondering, they do yeah. in fact track your location. Um, and, and I'm sure for a bunch of extremely valuable reasons for network diagnostics and efficiency of the broadcast and also probably targeted advertising. Um, and, Mm -hmm. uh, but Sirius XM apparently has been, uh, relatively, uh, promiscuous, uh, with the way that they mm -hmm. dispense their customers, uh, location information with, uh, uh, with, uh, with state outfits. So, um, anyway, uh, if you got a, uh, let's see, if you got a uh, satellite radio in your car, uh, or if you got the OnStar or any of those, uh, help services, uh, chances are pretty good that that car is prepared to testify against you. Wow. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm really surprised that uh, like I would have thought that Sirius XM is it's just like just like a dumb radio that is like 
you know, we're being bombarded with satellite radio stuff and it's just decoding it and playing it um, as opposed to uh, more of a two-way communication. That's surprising. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, yeah, it was surprising to me as well. Um, so yeah. So an, an entire new category of, uh, of surveillance mechanisms now available to us. Cause it makes you wonder what else they can do to that radio. Right. Um, like mm-hmm. now we sound like paranoid schizophrenics, but, um, it's not too far away from saying like, well, how do we, are we sure there's not a microphone in the radio? Are we sure there's not a microphone in the radio? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. And remember, speakers, fingerprint reader and, and a fingerprint reader fingerprint and, reader. and Dave, as mm-hmm. we, as we discussed in a previous episode, speakers can be microphones. So, yep. yeah. So now who's crazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I'm putting my tinfoil hat on <laughs> and covering your fingers. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting tinfoil on my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get ourselves out of this paranoiac slump. Uh, what do we got in the mailbag? Yeah, we got uh so Kyle uh was in was in the mailbag. Uh he was asking us about um if uh, uh he'd like us to talk about uh uh that there's an article about kids will soon be able to write code with Lego uh and wanted our our thoughts on it where um Lego uh they they they're coming out with a new toy called Lego Boost uh which is a hybrid uh building and coding set that uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of Lego Mindstorms, where you know you could build robots with Lego and all that and everything. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, comes in, I guess they had it at CES, uh, retails for one fifty nine ninety nine, um, and the whole thing is to encourage kids to uh, uh, learn more about the value of coding, uh, which appears to be a hot item in the toy aisle. Huh. that actually sounds that actually yep. sounds great. Um, so, yeah. uh, uh, as a, you just reminded me that, um, Soren for Christmas this year, his, uh, his, his far, far got him a, uh, he's, you know, two and a half. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. he, but they actually manufacture a, uh, coding caterpillar, uh, let's call it a codapillar, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a little robot caterpillar, um, that has a number of segments and each segment is an instruction. And so you oh. can plug in, uh, go straight ahead, play a noise, turn 90 degrees, go straight ahead. And in other words, you're, you're literally programming the Caterpillar by adding segments to the Caterpillar. And then you hit go right. and you can watch oh. the execution. Oh, that's cool. It's super clever. Really and it's, cool. and it's like chunky enough that like a three-year-old can put it together. Um, yeah. Cognitively, I'm not sure he exactly understands what's going on, but he does enjoy the stop and make an enormous noise module. Um, that seems to feature <laughs> prominently in all of his uh, execution paths. But um, I was really, I was really impressed with it. Uh, it's a, it's a very clever uh, kind of combination of of exactly what you're talking about. This kind of um, introducing kids to coding concepts and kind of, I guess, what thinking logically, thinking algorithmically. Um, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so um I I think that um I think that's great that that stuff starting to you know be more and more useful. Did did you have uh Lego when you were growing up and were you, were you a fan? I sure did. I sure did and I got the scars on my feet to prove it. Um I love Lego. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, I like were you the kind of guy that would have like a particular kit or did you just have like a box of Legos? Well, you start with the kit and you end up with a box of Legos, right? That's the way it usually works. Yeah, but yeah. but I was it will not surprise you, Dave. I'm I if I in my memory, I'm the kind of kid who uh enjoyed reconstructing what was on the box. Um mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I didn't 
and maybe I had some kind of creative flights of fancy, but for the most part, I just wanted like good execution on, on, on the kit, right? That, that's kind of what I was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where like, uh, for like my daughter spent a good chunk of money on Lego where, but it was almost like, uh, like model kits. Like when I was a teenager and all that, I did a lot of model kits and gluing stuff together. And it's like, once it's glued together, you're sort of done with it and you move on to the next thing. And Mm -hmm. Lauren was pretty much the same way where like she would get like, you know, the R2-D2 and spend like weeks putting it together and then she's done. And it's like, she doesn't want to mess with it because it's like done. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas I, for me with Lego, I I had like the box of Legos where I'm building houses or spaceships and, and things like that. And some of it would be like reproducing what was on the box, but also being creative and, and you know, outside the box and, and thinking up other stuff. Um, whereas it seems like now, it seems like the Lego kits are really very prescriptive of you know, you're going to build this R2-D2 or whatever, and um, that's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I wonder, too, though, like, is 159 bucks too steep uh, to – or is that, like, too expensive? Like, I, I worry about, like, the, the, you know, the digital divide with, with people that don't have means uh, to be able to do that. And is that going to um, – you know, you have these toys that are in the – $150 range and above, um, would that freeze out like people that have kids and, but they can't afford to do that. So they're, you know, is that going to further put them behind? Yeah. Yeah. So let me think about that. I think, um, obviously so we're assuming, so that would be a concern if this was the only way to acquire the necessary skills, um, mm-hmm. which it's not. Right. It just happens to be a clever way. And let's assume that it's like super effective at teaching these skills and would bring for kids, a, you know, material benefit. Um, uh, I still am suspicious that this is actually exacerbating a digital divide because the kind of folks who are not able to afford this clever preschooler coding kit uh, from Lego are also the kind of folks who may not be able to afford broadband Internet access, for example. Um, and so you got to kind of, you got to get a, you got to solve a lot of problems. You got to solve a lot of digital divide problems before you get to the, my preschooler can't use this robotic Lego problem. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true, true. Um, but on the other hand, I'm surprised nobody's knocked it off. Yeah, right, right. And that's, um, I, I can imagine that being something that, uh, somebody could do with, uh, you know, I don't know if they have are the Lego shapes patented where you can't, you know, make interchangeable ones, but you can still, I guess, come up with your own bricks. Um, but, and also for, um, like I was a big fan of snap circuits. Um, you remember like the radio shack hundred and one kits or whatever that they had with the wires and the springs. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Lauren has, uh, we got her a long time ago, snap circuits, which was, um, it's sort of like that, but instead of having the wires and the, the springs, you would have these um, plastic things that you would, you would put together and you can make the crystal radio and all, uh, motors and windmills and stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun. That's great. That's great. I'm really looking, I, I've, got a, I've got an ever-lengthening list of things that I need to be doing with Soren when he gets a little bit older and gets a little bit more dexterity um, and, and attention span. Um, and... Yeah, I remember those hundred those one hundred one 
uh, kind of Radio Shack kits or you can make your own AM radio, stuff like that. Those were huge. Those mm-hmm. were really influential with me. The stuff like snap circuits, that sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can imagine there, you know, nowadays that that was like um, electronics as opposed to like uh, like microcontrollers and adding like an Arduino um, would, wouldn't be too far of a stretch to add that to like uh, uh, a set like that. So we'll see. I, I guess it has to be easy to program, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. So Dave, yeah. from, from, from this phone booth, um, from your anonymizing, uh, <laughs> from your anonymizing, uh, Faraday cage phone booth, um, uh, you, you got, you actually, this next item might actually become useful to you because it allow you to kind of blend in in public spaces, right? Yeah. Ironically. Yes. Um, so there's, um, a really interesting article I saw where these guys, I guess they're in Australia. Um, they, they did some, uh, things to see what they could get away with if they were a high visibility vest. Um, so like, you know how you have the, the guys working on the road and it's the you know, yellow vest or orange vest or whatever it's retro reflective and everything. Um, they weren't wearing uniforms or anything like that. They just were wearing the vest and they were able to get into um, just walk right into a movie theater. Um, and they went to a zoo and to a cold plate concert. <laughs> So, you know, they just like walked in, they acted like they needed to be there and they would like, um, you know, point at stuff and, and things like that. And, and they would talk amongst each other and, and they just walk right in. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so they, they, not like they had faked badges or anything, in fact, didn't really seem to go out of their way to do anything except wear the orange vest, right? Yeah, that was simply it. Um, yeah, that's all they had. And, you know, and they would like walk over and they may pick something up like a cable or something, walk around with a cable or something. But yeah, that was it. Wow. And, and when I was, yeah, when I was looking at the article, I was looking at the comments too, and people were, were piling on saying ways to uh, possibly enhance uh, the look. Um, so they were saying that, you know, it would even be better if they had like, were wearing a clipboard um, mm-hmm. or if they were wearing a short sleeve shirt with a clipboard and maybe a walkie talkie and a hard hat. Right. Um, and then somebody else is saying, oh, yeah, if you wear scrubs in the hospital, you can go anywhere and nobody's going to question you, which yeah. surprises me. Is that like anymore? I, you have all these badge doors and, you know, pe- people wear badges a lot in hospitals these days. I, that surprises me. Yeah. But I mean, the, the thing about badges, though, is you get is you get fatigue. Right. I mean, anybody who's worked in an office that requires a badge knows that like everyone gets a little bit sloppy with the badge. Right. Um, you got to kind of hang it right. in your pocket and you're not really looking at it because because everyone's already wearing one, that kind of thing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I really like this idea of like, what are the what are the trappings of of somebody official? Like if somebody so it, I'm just thinking like if somebody walked up to my house um, and maybe they had a hard hat on, maybe they had a high visibility vest and maybe not just if they had a clipboard, but if they had like one of those aluminum foldy clipboards with, with storage inside. Yep. Like that yep. just, that could just communicates, uh, this is somebody on official business that I need to pay attention to. Right. I will, I will probably listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Or ignore them and let them do whatever you want, whatever they want to your, uh, you know, gas line or whatever, or add yeah. listening devices or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, man, we're spending all this time worried about Faraday cages and fingerprinting web browsers, but we're totally fine with somebody in a high visibility vest walking around in our backyard, right? Trying to fingerprint you. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
That's right. I see. Oh, it's all coming together now. It's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, David, it's not, it, it's probably getting hot inside that uh, inside that phone booth at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready to go. So yeah. <laughs> right. So if people wanted to uh, see that whispering chin face, uh, where where do they need to go? First of all, they should not ever click on that whispering chin face link because it's disgusting. But uh, if they must, or if they want to see photos of these for this great photo of this guy walking around in the uh, in the orange vest, um, they can go to DG Show. Dot org. That's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. All right. Okay. Well, thanks, Gunner. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah. Thanks, everyone.